life. Are you growing with it or feeling left out? Either way or in between, you're in the right place today with the host of Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice, Jillian. She's an award-winning author and radio personality. She's warm, she's fuzzy, and she's got an attitude. Welcome. I'm your host, Jillian Moss-Backman, and this is Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice. Hope you've been following along. We're on week two of Spiritual Trends, a segment and a series I've been waiting patiently to do for about six months. I had to wait to get the right guest in line and get my mind together of what I wanted to say. I didn't want to be too preachy, but boy, this is a nerve ending with me. I really want to talk about it and discuss it from all directions. But let's remind each other tomorrow is Happy Valentine's Day. So Happy Valentine's Day a day early. Last year, my show just happened to fall on February 14th, so that was a special program that I did. If you want to hear something great, go back and listen to that show. But wait, listen to this one, and then go back to my podcast, that Change Already with Jillian on Blog Talk Radio, And you want to look for a show that's labeled The Energy of Love, Valentine's Day, The Energy of Love. And in that that show, I talked to one of my mentors and teachers, Kathy Baker, and she's got this really quiet, nice voice. And I've talked about my voice on air many times and how it's kind of loud (laughs) and shouty and all over the board and she's one of those healer and teachers in the world that are calm and just centered and very kind but in that show we discuss the energy of love rather than the feeling of love it's an interesting and dynamic way to look at love in a different perspective and as you know change already I'm really dedicated to looking at things in a different way that maybe you haven't thought of before. And since we all have cabin fever, why don't you take a look at the other podcasts that are in there as well. I have a tendency to do a series, and then I'll break that up with one or two shows and then do another series. And the other series that I like in there is the Soulful Songwriters I did last year. I think it was in March, April, something like that. Go back and listen to those shows. They are just incredible as well. Again, songwriters coming from the heart and doing things that are changing lives in a different perspective than my own. So take a listen to those as well. So I want to go on with spiritual trends and what does that mean. Last week I talked about the series and set it up with my own intuitive positions on the spiritual trends as a whole. The good thing I talked about last week is that we've been able to start shedding those old ways of the religious restraints that so many of us were grown up with and sometimes keep us caged in from looking at everything else. And in my book, Beyond the Pews, I was talking about this second spiritual awakening that we're going into 
and now have gotten our place into a place of spiritual fusion where we've been able to take some of the old and we're learning from the new. But however, in all this excitement to try the latest and greatest healing techniques that are out there, I really believe a lot of people are confused and lost their way in this sea of spiritual growth and possibilities. Have we become thrill seekers to find the next meditation of Zen trip or are we really seeking out these different modalities to find an anchor to our own spiritual growth and something that we can depend on to learn to heal and share love with other people? And as I was putting this series together, the two most popular studies out there and healing modalities are the practice of Reiki and shamanism. The first one I get, Reiki, but the second one, shamanism, is a little quandary in my head. And so when I started thinking of guests, I came up with someone that I just adore. She was working with me in my own wellness studio years ago, and I want her to come on air with us today and talk about Reiki and shamanism. She is in both of those modalities and in acupuncture. But I want to call this series part of the series this week, and I'm calling it, What Does the Hawk Say? Don't Chase the Next Shiny Object. I want to introduce to you my guest and friend, Robin Smith. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Robin was a lot like the rest of us. She had always been sensitive to energy but wasn't really sure how to use it, what to do with it, and how to channel it into way to helping others. Until she found Reiki attunement courses, which is very popular around these, in the 90s. So she's been doing it for a while. And that was her beginning point that she says where she began to understand what we call universal energy and how to use that energy to assist others in healing. She caught that healing bug from there, and then she went on to become a licensed acupuncture in 2000. From there, she finished up her education in energy medicine with a Peruvian shamanism, and she now practices both Reiki and acupuncture at the day spa in De Prairie, Wisconsin. How do you say that? <laughs> Welcome, yeah. Robin. I'm like, well, how do you De Prairie, Wisconsin, right? Yes, it's De Prairie. <laughs> Robin, why don't I uh, give a small definition of what I think Reiki is and, and the universal thought that it is there, and then I'll turn it over to you to shamanism because I don't understand that one as much as you do, and then we'll meet in the middle and talk about a few things going forward from there. How's that sound? That sounds excellent. All right. I'm going to talk about Reiki. And I like Reiki because it's a really simple form of hands-on healing that started with Dr. Asui in Japan in the early 1900s. I won't go into whole detail, but what's fascinating about his story is he kind of stumbled on this modality himself and then used it during the World Wars to help people heal in an, a more um, loving way during the war times. 
So it is considered a Japanese art form that relieves stress and it relaxes the body. And what it does is it balances that life force energy that rages through all of us that now is a common practice and a word that we should all be familiar with, whether it's called chi, life force energy. It's that energy that moves from head to toe that everybody's to want to balance to create harmony. It came to America through Hawaii in one of the women descendants of the Sui, and then it just spread like wildfire from there. It now boasts millions of Reiki practitioners all over the world, and it has greatly been accepted as a practical service along with massage, acupuncture, and other things as a service that all of us can get to create that harmony and peace that we're looking at all levels of the body. Okay, now, Robin, it's your turn. <laughs> you okay. need shamanism, and I'm listening. All right. Well, shamanism is basically the first healing system in, in all cultures. It's earth-based. Um, it's based on the culture um, where the people practiced it. Um, you can find it in any country. Uh, the Peruvians started with uh, their style with the Inca civilization, and it survived after the Spaniards came in and they tried to destroy it. Um, the shaman moved to the mountains and they went too high for the Spaniards to, to follow, and they said, well, forget it. They, you know, they just left them there and they kept the tradition. Okay. Uh, the definition of a shaman is a person called to enter altered states for the benefit of another or other, as in healing the earth. Some shamans just work on healing the earth. And it um, was studied in depth by Carl Jung, and he noticed the archetypical nature of it, and that's how he developed his, his form of psychotherapy that deals with archetypes. He saw the power in it, and he labeled shamanism uh, man's first psychotherapy. And uh, basically tools, um, we work with medicine stones, uh, we work with a rattle, songs, fire, Florida water, which is a kind of cologne that's made out of flower essence of various blends, um, some crystals, we work with a lot of breath work, and we open sacred space which involves opening up the four directions, which creates a bubble of safety and security uh, for the practitioner and for the patient. And it works with the four elements or the directions, the compass directions, and the archetypes, which are the serpent, the jaguar, hummingbird, condor. They work, a shaman works with the elements of their universe, much like with an acupuncturist would do working with the Chinese concept. Um, they would work with the elements that they found around them and the power uh, and the universe. They work with the sun, the moon, the stars, um, Mother Earth, Pachamama, and, of course, the creator, whom they call Wittekocha. And so they have a very powerful faith-based concept but they also work with God's creations and they use the, the element, the belief system, the power that each one of these represents in the healing concept. So the intent of the treatment 
is that the shaman enters an altered vibrational state to shift old or incorrect concepts or belief systems on the behalf of a patient that um, do not serve the purpose of the patient's uh, life mission or their spiritual growth, and it shifts painful old wounds uh, to create a total healing of the mind, the body, and the spirit slash emotional concept to shift issues um, wherever it's being held in the body to create a healed state. So it creates the healing is a mind, body, spirit, puts the mind, body, spirit in unison for a total healing process, which helps the whole concept come around together in unison. Does that make sense? Hey, that was good. <laughs> Thank you. So You're very welcome. Questions on that. Okay, first of all, um, you know, Reiki practitioners, please don't take this personally, but it just seems like there's a Reiki practitioner for every one client nowadays. And I, I think that's a good thing, Robin. I think it was a good, you know, that it caught on and it's moving through the country and it, and it really does have a higher purpose. And I believe everybody that's practicing, I want to believe that they have a higher purpose for doing it and calling but in the last couple of years, it's kind of peaked off, and people are looking for the next, as I want to put it, shiny object. Now, when right. I say that, I'm not putting down shamanism. What I'm saying is that people have to keep searching for something that's a little more uh, exciting and different. And the things that you're talking about, about shamanism, I could see how that would bring someone to the table about wanting to know more. With that mm-hmm. being said, when I was, you know, studying psychology, I was a Jungian. I loved Carl Jung. And it was, I remember and understand the archetypes that he came from with, with the shamanism in mind, but it was so complicated and so confusing, Robin. Do you mm-hmm. think today's shamanism is the same as when I read it back in Carl Jung? Because I'm more of a traditionalist. I prefer to stay as pure with the practice of Reiki and everything else as possible. Do you think it's been common Americanized because the word that, that sticks out in my head, Robin, is an altered state. That's where it gets a little mucky in the water for people. Do you, is that still a part of the American shamanism, or has that been put on the back burner? No, actually, um, I too am a, a purist. And, okay, uh, yeah. It, as far as the archetypes, um, it's, it's much more simple, I think, and less complicated than the psychoanalysis because this is not a talk therapy. We, are not dealt, we don't want to poke a finger in your wound. We just want to know what your issue is and as simple and concise as possible, and then we do the rest. We go in and view those painful things on your vibrational levels, in your mental and emotional components. We we don't have to have you relive it, which is not 
remapping this the same wound in the same territory over and over. You know how you can imprint things, and the yes. more you talk about it, and the more you think about it, and the more you yes. act on it, the deeper it goes into your system. We don't want you to do that. We want to see it the way it is. Apply our our healing mechanism to it. Get it to resolve, and then generally, what we do rather than our culture. We have to have it different in our culture because we're in our head. We have a need to know why, how, when. We need a certain amount of dialogue, and we need to see tools. We have to have proof and evidence that something's actually right. being done. Correct. And in in its, its pure state, the shaman just looks at you. He does his treatment or she does her treatment. She gives you a big hug and a smile when it's done, and you walk away. And you go, oh, okay, I've been healed. And you believe it because you trust the shaman. You know that he's doing it on your behalf. He's dedicating his life to this purpose. And you feel different. You feel a shift in your system. You feel lighter. You feel balanced. And if you look back at the problem that you had, what you came in that was painful, you are flatlined on emotional you feel yourself flatlined. It doesn't seem problematic anymore. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't, um, you don't have a bad memory about it. It's just a fact. So you know, in, indeed, something did take place there, that on your behalf something did shift. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it makes sense to me, Robin, but here's the issue I have with it, and please don't take this personally. You know, I'm a little confused there because is shamanism being picked up now because you just said that they come in and basically relinquish all of their stuff on the table, and it's the practitioner that does all the work. Tell me, that makes me a little nervous, Robin, because tell me where the responsibility of the person is in the healing process. If the shaman comes in and does all that stuff that you're talking about, where is the end responsibility for the client to do their own work? Okay, well, that's how it's kind of changed in our culture because we are a little different than the process of the other um, cultures. Um, in our culture, of course, we would tell you what we discovered. We would tell you what we did. We would give you aftercare homework. And that aftercare homework integrates you into the healing process. And we tell you, unless you do your part, unless you release and allow the healing process to take place, in other cultures, they just trust that it's going to take place, that it's going to be there, and they allow and they let their wounds and that healing integrate. And it will come to your mind, and there will be something after that will come up that is the next step in the process of the healing. It's kind of like a step ladder, you know. Um, it goes from one level to the next level to the next and until the process is completely healed. Did that explain it enough, or... Yeah, you're explaining it. I'm just thinking because when I think of a shaman, I think of the rainforest in Mm -hmm. Peru and these people that have been doing this 
for centuries, and they have a lineage of being passed down, master teachers, stuff like that, just like Reiki. But the question I have for you is why are there so many people now running from the Reiki practitioner to become a shaman practitioner? What in the world is calling all these people to become a shaman practitioner now? That do they do they like this altered state? Is it something that they what is calling them? You know, you've been in the business for a long time. What do you think it is? It allowed me to actually participate more fully in the treatment, to go in and with a clean eye and see without emotion, visualize what took place for this person. Most of the wounds that people come in for are uh, childhood. Um, it can even be pre pre this existence. Um, it's a wound that's in your system, your energy field that is, um, smearing the screen. You're looking through foggy lens. You can't get to. You can't deal with life in a proper way, or or formulate proper response. You have knee-jerk reactions. Um, you, you're just in a stuck place. You can't move forward. You're you're kind of caught, and you don't know why you're caught. And you can't. You've worked every mechanism you can, and you can't figure out how to get out of it and how to get around it, and yet situation, um, a, a dynamic with a person or in your job, or and it pops right back up in front of you again, and you're stumbling all over this issue again, and you can't figure out how to heal it and get it out of your way and process so that you can move forward and you can evolve and mature and develop your own higher level of thinking and dealing with the world in general and with other people, and you're dysfunctional in a, in a sense, and you don't know where that started. And it can start with belief systems in your family, in, in, um, in something that happened to you pre your being able to have enough coping mechanism to get a perspective on what happened, to see it clearly, um, to be able to process it properly within your system and remove it so it stores in your system because you don't have a mechanism to remove it. You don't know how to because you don't know it's there. So the shaman goes in and helps reveal. In other cultures, they do it different because the people just trust that this is going to happen and they go along with it. And in right. our culture, we need to know the details. Okay, what did well, you find? Yeah, and that but they was always the relate to it, and you know they're always okay. nodding when you're telling them what you saw. They're like, "Oh, yes, yes, yes," and something from way back comes popping into their mind, and they that they've totally forgotten about or couldn't even find where it was stored within their memory, and it will come up, and then they'll be able to process properly. And a lot of times it's caught in whatever area that memory is residing in. So your well, back issue might be something that's stuck. Okay. Well, you know what, Robin? I've known you long enough and we've worked together long enough that I totally trust you, okay? And so I don't have any trouble relinquishing my control or my insecurities. The other part mm -hmm. of the story is you're extremely intuitive, 
you've been working with your intuition for as long as I've known you in, in your own work. My concern here is that it's starting to become mainstream, which is great. We like that. But the question becomes, what do you look for in a shaman healer or a Reiki healer, for all that matter, that's going to have that purity that you and I have worked for and they get results and it doesn't screw them up on the other side? Right. Um, I would say first-hand referral is always a good method to go by. Somebody that tells you this is my experience and I have a, a lot of trust in the person. I feel comfortable with the person. They'll listen to you. They hear what you have to say. They they clarify things and explain things properly. And their aftercare, when they give you things to do, you feel it working. You feel the shift. When you're confronted with the situation, and you will be, the universe has a way of doing this, brings that issue back in front of you again. And when you find yourself looking at it and you're flatlined on it and you're like, wow, that's not how I would normally have reacted, then you know for sure that things have shifted within you. And people get that kind of proof all the time. Um, I would say, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you have to meet the person. You have to talk to them and go by your own gut feelings on it, basically, with those kind of things. There's no licensing or... Um, you know, a special place to go to to find these practitioners like there is with acupuncture. But I think like anything, like a massage therapist, well, they'd have the credentials, they have their license. It doesn't mean that they're good. Yeah, you go to a doctor, right. it doesn't mean that they're good. They, you know, you, you go to them and you go, wow, this isn't a good fit. Mm. And you find another one. And that's the only way you can do these things is to go by what works for you, what you feel comfortable with. Do they make you feel, do you feel trust with them? And, you know, there's just no proven way to do this, I think. Yeah, I know. And, you know, the question, are you happy with the awakening of this modality as shamanism? You know, I think about that with Reiki. When you and I started, I started in the late 80s, and I've watched this transition from a Mm -hmm. niche market to the mainstream pop. Are you happy with shamanism and Reiki coming to the forefront in being in basically every community anywhere you want it? Do you think that's a good thing or do you think it needs to slow down a little? I don't know. I think it's necessary. Yeah. And I think sometimes, especially in our culture, I think something has to be big and bold to get people's attention. Yeah, so that's true. It has true. to be kind of like, almost like commonplace in order to be heard. I think what I'm seeing and what I picked up while I was pondering these questions um, is that our medical system today has isolated the vibrational nature of the human body. They disregard a lot of times in their healing process. They're treating your um, your heart, but they're not treating your mental component, your belief systems about this, or your emotional, spiritual angle. They're just giving you medications and dealing with the tissue part of you. 
and often those other aspects kind of fall away and the person is left with this rift in their in their network, in their vibrational system. The body is vibrational, but it's more dense. And the mental emotional components are lighter. And all three of them are necessary in any healing process in order to make it heal properly. And I think that's why we're having a big issue with our medical system and people not being satisfied with it. Not only from cost aspect, but from the fact that they're given drugs that just dummy up things, dull things, um, amp- lower the vibrational quality of even the body itself, um, kind of numb the, the vibrations of the thinking and the, and the emotions. And I think it skews things. I think it makes it almost harder for the, really difficult for the body to heal because they're tinkering with everything, the system. Well, I really think that's changing. Yeah, I think it's changing, and I think this is one indicator that's showing that people are really ready to heal all parts of themselves. Robin, we're almost done and out of time. Thank you so much for joining me on air and talking about this. Can you tell me where we can find you and where they can get one of your incredible services, I might add? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm located at the Day Spa. It's 600 North 10th Street in De Pere, Wisconsin. The phone number there is 920-339. Five two five zero, and you can reach me by email at robin at dayspaescape.com. It's all one word. You know, and I'd encourage anyone out there that wants more information about shamanism, Reiki, anything that pertains to those, and even acupuncture, Robin is a good source for all of that. She's been in the industry for a long time. She's been a practitioner of all three of those elements for a long time. And I'm sure that she can answer your questions and give you great guidance on where to find a good practitioner possibly in your area. And some questions you might have could ask any practitioner to find out your own. So thank you, Robin. Oh, you're very welcome, and thank you for having me on. Great. I enjoyed Next this. week, oh, yeah, me too. Next week, I'm <laughs> going to continue on with week three, spiritual trends, what does it all mean? But between now and then, remember, change doesn't have to be difficult, but it is necessary to grow. I'll see you same place, same time, Blog Talk Radio, high noon. Thanks for joining Jillian today. Don't miss her famous at-home personal enrichment lessons. You can complete them on your own time to accelerate your personal change. They're simple and nothing like you've experienced before. Just like Jillian, warm and fuzzy with an attitude. So change already.